0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. I'm your host, Nick Galletti. This is a new year, 2019, and we're going to start out this year and going through the rest of the year with a common theme. And that theme is teach the doctrines of the gospel. It's so important that even as members or as missionaries, that we have such a solid, strong understanding of what the true and eternal doctrines of the Gospel are and teach those with power and authority. In order to do that, we need to make sure that what we are teaching is in fact or does in fact qualify as true eternal doctrine as opposed to something that perhaps we've maybe taught through the years as something that constitutes that or fits that description but doesn't actually qualify. Our guest on this episode is Professor Mike Goodman. He is an expert, if you will, as much as a person that can be an expert on the doctrines and policies of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He teaches at BYU and today's episode is going to be so important to help us understand the difference, not only in our own lives, but in the way that we approach what we teach to other people. I have some other things that I want to share about how this is going to serve as a foundational episode for the rest of what we are going to produce on this podcast in the coming year. So please stay tuned right after our interview with Mike Goodman to hear how this is setting that foundation. So here now is my interview with Mike Goodman. Our very special guest on this episode of the Latter Day Saint Mission Cast is Mike Goodman, who teaches at BYU. I do, and uh, has been involved in the curriculum development for the marriage and family courses yeah. and a number of other things. I consider his episode on the latter or the it is now the Latter Day Saint Perspectives podcast. It was LDS Perspectives podcast oh, at the time. That your interview with Laura Hales I put as one of my top five favorite podcasts of all time. Oh. Thank it you. was it had a very profound effect on me in, in many ways, which is why I also wanted you to come on here to talk about some similarities in those two topics, and that is the difference between principle and doctrine versus policy and practice. Yeah. So let's start off with what is doctrine? Thank you. Um the the definition of doctrine has changed
1: numerous times throughout the history of the world, the Christian world, but also in the church. Um, I did an interesting study of every instance of the word doctrine in the last 150 years in General Conference. Okay. With a real emphasis on the last 30 years. And in the beginning, doctrine simply was used as a word to mean teaching. Didn't necessarily mean authoritative teaching. It was just more generic. But interestingly enough, in the last 30 to 40 years, I went back and looked at every instance of the word doctrine from the First Presidency and Quorum of 12 in, in general conference for almost 40 years. And they've begun to use the word in a much more specific way, in, in a way in which they're seeking to help members understand what they can put faith in. And, and, and what I mean by that in some ways is what won't change, what is eternal, what, what they can have faith will lead them to the Savior. And so doctrine as it has been used extensively in the last 30 years would refer to those teachings which are eternal in nature uh, and those teachings which are often, almost always taught by the first presence in Quorum of Twelve as a group, not simply as an individual. And they also focus on the concept of that which is salvific. In other words, that which is, is necessary for our salvation. So Doctrine being those teachings which bring us to Christ, which we can hold on to.
0: Yeah. And those are the three kind of basic criteria for determining something as doctrine. And then we have policy or yes. practice, yes. which we would then say are ways that those doctrines are maybe implemented. Perfect.
1: Yeah, that that policy and practice uh the way I've explained it before with my missionaries with with my students is it's the best effort of prophets seers and revelators and the church in general to apply true principles and true doctrine um, something i would I would say from the beginning though is that principle and practice the fact that it is the best effort of of the brethren and the church leadership to implement true doctrines doesn't mean that it's necessarily something that they're free to change or implement something different. Elder Oaks in General Conference explicitly stated that, that, that often policies and practices are actually revealed directly from Heavenly Father. And so a difference, if I, could, if I could clarify one key difference between doctrine and principles on one hand, policies and practices on the other hand, is that doctrines and principles don't change. Policies and practices not only can, but sometimes must change to meet the needs of the church.
0: And this is a key distinction for missionaries to know, as well as any members of the church as we talk about the church with other people, but also for our own understanding and knowledge that some of these even controversial issues that have come up are based on an overemphasis, perhaps, on a policy versus the doctrine. And so... Let's let's maybe give a couple examples of what we're talking about. So, a doctrine, and, and I think the church has nine basic doctrines that they put on their website. They do. And those are things like the Godhead, plan, plan of, of salvation. salvation, priesthood and priesthood ordinances and covenants and things like that. Even commandments mm-hmm. is one of the, those doctrines. So, we have things like the teachings of the atonement. Yeah. And then... What's a policy or, pra- or a practice on that that Let, would be like the sacrament?
1: Maybe? Yeah, exactly. So in other words, if we if we look at the doctrine of the atonement, the atonement is definitely salvific. The atonement is taught regularly by the First Presidency in Quorum of 12, and the atonement is eternal, meaning that it, it has never changed, it won't change. Our understanding of it changes, and the practices we use to commemorate and bind ourselves to that have changed numerous times. So for example, if you were an ancient Israelite and you were seeking to connect yourself to Jehovah, you would do so with the concept or the practice of, of sacrifice. You would take a little lamb, you'd slice that little lamb's throat and you would burn the lamb. And that was your way of remembering the sacrifice and the atonement of Jesus Christ. You and I are not going to be doing that in sacrament meeting nowadays, no, right? No, I hope not. And so today we implement a practice that the Savior put in place called the the sacrament. But even the sacrament itself has changed in how we do it over the years. And so if something changes within our administration of the sacrament, water to wine or wine to water or or when we do it or how frequently we do it, That doesn't call into question the doctrine of the atonement. It's simply the practice of the church, in this case, a revealed practice by Christ himself that we use to combine and and connect ourselves by covenant to God.
0: Yeah, and we have a number of other different examples that we can give. Uh, There's, we talk about the word of wisdom being a very unique policy or, or practice that has changed even since it was revealed in our day. Yes, uh, and and it is the purview of the first presidency, the prophet, to to amend, to to help interpret, or reinterpret these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how can we, as a missionary, know if we're teaching a doctrine or maybe even a folk doctrine that isn't yeah. even true? A- a- excellent
1: question. I I think one of the one of the keys to this really is, in my opinion following the example of of the First Presidency in Chrome of 12, obviously the most secure way of telling that something is core or something that you can have great faith in is something that is taught by the united voice of the First Presidency in Chrome of 12. That will give us much more confidence that 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 issue is something that is not only true, but something that they are focusing on and that our missionaries should be focusing on. Let's say it's something that, that seven or eight of the First Presidency and Quorum of Twelve talk on regularly. That, that to me is also fairly strongly, that increases the evidence of the authoritative nature of that teaching. But let's say it's something that only one or one or two people, first presidency and quorum of twelve, are teaching. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's false, but it pulls back a little bit of the authoritative evidence for it. And if I were a missionary, I would be very hesitant to to spend a lot of time and effort and energy on something that isn't being taught regularly and consistently by the First Presidency in Quorum of 12. Obviously, and I, and, I, and I didn't say this earlier, the standard works become a standard for us and for the First Presidency in Quorum of 12 in determining these issues. But one of the challenges with Scripture is as as all of us realize there are things in Scripture that aren't necessarily written by prophets. Some of them are written by historians. There are other issues which the fact that it's in Scripture, for instance, how far a Nephite might walk or or, or a Jewish person might walk at a given day doesn't mean that it's necessarily pertinent to our missionaries in our life at this point. And so looking towards the first presidency in Chrome of 12, what they're regularly teaching from the Scriptures and asking ourselves, as a missionary, is this something that that these wonderful people who are who are studying with the uh, missionaries need to know if they're going to be able to come to Christ? If not, it should really make us question the 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 worth of
0: spending much time with that. Yeah, and. Sometimes missionaries get caught up, and I want to teach something that makes me sound smart.
1: Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And 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 those things which are maybe a little more juicy; those things are a yeah. li- little bit more of, of of controversial interest. But that's not going to be bring people to Christ. Yeah. We want to figure out uh, the first principles and ordinances of the gospel. One of the one of the realities is preach my gospel is put together with that very concept. Actually, of we want to. We want to look at what are the core teachings that someone has to know to be able to gain a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and yeah. his church. Uh, I actually served on a committee for the church before preaching my gospel that was tasked, that was part of a task group looking at that very issue. What are the teachings and interestingly, practices hmm. that investigators have to know if they're going to be prepared? to gain that testimony and yeah. that's really what we want our missionaries focusing on.
0: Well, and we have some issues that that are really difficult um, mm-hmm. such as like we just went to two hour church. Yes. Right? Yeah. So we have is th- that a policy or practice? Pretty clearly it's a policy. Yep. But what does that mean with regards to what doctrine is the Sabbath day a doctrine?
1: Yes, absolutely. So we would <laughs> we would say to uh, that that the Sabbath day is a commandment that the Lord gave from the days of Adam, right? And that that it is it has never changed. The importance of the Sabbath has never changed, but how we have observed the Sabbath has changed dozens of times, right? Yeah. Even what day we observe the Sabbath. Right. I was, a, I was an institute teacher in the Oregon State Penitentiary for a few years. There weren't enough Mormon members of the Church of Jesus Christ of <laughs> Latter-day Saints in that prison for us to justify a Sunday meeting. In other words, the, the prison officials wouldn't give it to us even though we asked for it. Okay. So Sabbath day for them was Saturday. It was the only day that we were allowed to worship and so sacrament was on Saturday. That kind of flexibility has always existed. I was, when I was serving as a mission president, Elder Scott emphasized this with a group of 13 of us who were basically mission presidents over half the world, basically, China, India. It doesn't take long to get up to half the world at that point, right? (laughs) In which he was teaching us this very principle. Listen, people need the opportunity to renew their connection, their covenant with God. But depending on the land, depending on the the religious uh, milieu, that may or may not work on sunday right so honoring the sabbath is a commandment that we would say the missionaries must teach how that's done 2 hours 3 hours come once in the morning once in the afternoon once in the <laughs> evening yeah. or all together
0: that's policy and practice that can change at any time and and there's even things that we can drill down a little bit further things within the temple there's 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 a number of things that we might hold to as doctrine yes Yes. But maybe not.
1: That's right. Think about think about the, the endowment. Uh, most members who have been alive long enough have gone through a few iterations of changes in the presentation of the endowment. The covenants, the core covenants are always there, but how it's presented has changed a dozen, two dozen. I don't know how many times. <laughs> I've read some studies on it, but one way or the other, we would say if it can change like that, that wouldn't constitute core doctrine by any means, and yet our experience in the temple is crucial. Those ordinances are salvific, Yes. but the makeup and the organization, the presentation has changed, and we would assume and expect it to continue
0: to change to meet the needs of the church. So, you, you were a mission president. I was. Where were you a mission president? In Bangkok, Thailand. Okay. And... As I'm sure your, your experience was unique in many ways, you probably did have some shared experiences that all mission presidents go through. How relevant is this information that we're talking about to being a good missionary, a good teacher of the gospel? No matter where you're serving, there are going to be unique circumstances sure. as, as you
1: brought up. So in Thailand, it's, it's basically 97% Buddhist, 2% Muslim, 1% Christian and other after 500 years of proselyting. It's got the lowest percentage of Christian adherence of any nation that allows
0: Christians. Wow.
1: But they're very friendly, very open to us. And so this kind of an approach, for instance, when we're teaching, uh, and this is true of any place that's not a Christian nation, you're going to approach the apostasy different in Thailand than you will in Tennessee. Where in Tennessee, as you're teaching the, the historical reality of the apostasy and the doctrinal reality of prophets and revelation, in Tennessee, they have a specific biblical view of, of what that sure. means. And so you're going to approach it differently. In Thailand, the Bible isn't any more special than the Book of Mormon, which is any more special than the Quran, which is, any, it's basically a holy book. And so we're going to approach even something even as basic as the nature of God, differently. For an example, my very first day in country as a missionary, not as a mission president, my companion turned to me and asked me to teach a principle of the discussion. And I started with these words, which simply is, we believe in God. The person I was teaching looked at me like I was dumb and said, Everyone does. He lives in Bangkok. And I thought, whoa, God doesn't live in Bangkok. While well, my companion was laughing because the word for God, Prabhupadaw, is the same word they use for king. So when I said, we believe in God, they heard, we believe in the king. And he goes, well, of course, everyone does. He lives in Bangkok. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just a funny anecdote. They don't have a concept of God. Therefore, when you're teaching someone in Georgia and you say, we believe in God and Jesus Christ, they have very specific views of that. You're teaching in a place like Thailand or, or, or anywhere in the non-Christian world and they may or may not have any idea. And so you're beginning to teach basic doctrines. There is a God and this is what we know about God. And, and, and if I could take that just a little further, sure. it's quite interesting to watch how the brethren have sculpted the discussions to align with the way prophets have done it throughout the years. So for instance, when prophets teach people who don't know God that there is a God, pretty basic stuff, right? They almost always follow a pattern. If you look at Aaron, you look at Ammon, you look at Enoch, you look at Moses, you look at Abraham. When they're talking to people who don't know God, they always start with A, there is a God, that's kind of important, sure. But interestingly enough, at that point, almost always, they go to: if you're going to understand God, you have to understand the creation, the fall, and the atonement. We'll take a look at the modern missionary discussions. Yeah. Very first principle: there is a God; He is our Father. Second discussion: the creation, the fall, the atonement. Third discussion the gospel of Jesus Christ, faith, repentance, baptism, the Holy Spirit. You can see that what they're doing is they're taking those doctrinal approaches straight from the scriptures and applying them in a modern world. But but how we teach there is a God in Thailand, <laughs> different than different. how they teach it in other places.
0: Well, and when we talk about God, that is again something maybe we often take for granted that we know and and it's we've been taught since primary perhaps certain things but god itself there is god yeah. and there's a lot of folk things maybe even in the early church we see yeah. things taught about god because they came from other re- religious traditions that's right not because they were true but because that's just what they knew what they were around so there's a subject right there in and of itself. What is the really true doctrine of God? It's a great example. A great example. Let me, let me build off that for just a moment. The, we
1: believe that God the Father is a creator of all things. That is a doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How God created all things is not a doctrine. Of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and yet we sometimes teach it as if it is. Some people are very, very firmly fixed in a very uh, "God said it and it happened" kind of an approach. Right. Others, including several apostles, have have been much more towards a scientific and an, and an evolutionary approach to it. Uh, one of the things I taught my missionaries when we were uh, when they were teaching this doctrine, which has always been part of the missionary discussions, is. The absolute wrong thing for you to do is to focus on how God created things, us and the world, and when God created us and the world. I, I, for example, I will I, I'll say let's look at the uh, creation account in Genesis and Exodus. Excuse me, in Genesis, in Moses, in Abraham, and then in the temple. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that they but don't they're agree. They're yeah. different. Which means we don't know and it doesn't matter being as you and I are not going to be creating any worlds in the next few weeks, right? And so <laughs> what I tell the my missionaries is don't focus on the how. That's not essential for your missionaries to know. And you don't know it. Don't focus on the when. You like 6,000 years, cool beans. They like 6 billion, cool beans. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Let it be. Look at how prophets do it. They focus on the why. Why did God create? Moses 139. And they focus on the who. When prophets use the creation outside of those three accounts of the seven days, which don't match, almost always when prophets bring up the creation, it's to teach the nature of God. So I taught my missionaries, when you teach the creation, focus on what we learn about God. Focus on what we learn about ourself and our relationship to God. So that's a, a, an example of, yes, the creation is, and God and God as the creator is a doctrine. How He did it, nothing not so to do much. with it. Nothing to do with it.
0: And and that's an interesting concept when you talk about faith traditions that are not traditional Christian. Yes, they all have a creation drama, a creation. Right. I don't know what word we want to throw at Christian, it. non-Christian doesn't
1: matter. Every major religion has one.
0: Yeah. So the Christian or the creation myth is what I yeah. was looking for. Yeah. Um. So with with that being put into place. How important is it to understand not only our doctrine, but maybe other people's teachings?
1: Hugely. I mean, the, the concept of building on common beliefs has is, is been taught to missionaries for decades, right? Um, we want to understand what they understand so that we can build on those things. Not so that we can morph our own doctrine, but the reality is almost every creation saga, myth, call it whatever you want to, has commonalities to it. And as we can understand where they're coming from, we can help them see what is in common with what we have, and sometimes what is different. So, for example, the the the, the reality of God as a creator isn't necessarily part of every creation myth. But for you and I in, in the church, that's not an unimportant issue.
0: <laughs> and as a yeah. result,
1: we're going to say, even if they don't believe that, us knowing they don't would then help us to say, okay. Let's introduce something that we believe is really important for you to know that 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 prophets have taught us for millennia.
0: Yeah, and so if we were to go down the line, we could we could essentially say things like the priesthood is a doctrine. Yes, but who holds it and when is not, and how it's even used Used or implemented. How important is that, especially
1: in our day and age? Yeah, Um, we know that priesthood ordinances and covenants are essential for salvation therefore we know that priesthood the power of god from the days of adam has been shared with us but who holds the priesthood how it was organized and how it has been how it has been administered has changed numerous times since the days of adam which comes back to this difference between doctrine and principle. On one hand, mm-hmm. there is priesthood authority, and it's essential to salvation. And policy and practice: deacons are twelve years old. No, deacons are twenty-eight years old. <laughs> uh, you know, we have yeah. one quorum of seventy. We have five quorums of seventy. At this point, only father-son groupings hold the priesthood. At this point, twelve apostles hold it. At this point, every male member. And so, the fact that these policies and practices change should help us to relax a little bit when Things change. It's not a representation that the past was wrong necessarily in any way. Yeah. It's that the needs of the current time have changed. So President Nelson and the First Presidency in Quorum of 12 have felt very inspired to change the organization of the Elders Quorum. It wasn't because the High Priest Quorum was evil. It wasn't because <laughs> there was something wrong with what was there. But the current needs aren't being met by the policy and practice of, of last year. And so, the first presidency in Quorum of 12, receiving revelation from the Lord, implements a new practice, a new policy, which then allows God to bring us a little closer to where he wants us to be.
0: Well, and, and one of the tendencies that I've had when I've talked with people about this doctrine and pol- uh, policy, you know, it's not a versus. Yeah, are not, not. They're not oppositional. But it's also, we're not trying to downgrade policy. No. And that can be a fear and to a certain extent you could even argue missionary service yes is yes. that a doctrine or a policy no, no. <laughs> the, the,
1: the concept of sharing the gospel we'd say has always been there but how it's done when it's done why by whom yeah by whom exactly has changed i think this is really important because it, you're right when we when we try to differentiate it sometimes people start to feel well well i guess therefore i don't have to pay attention to the policy or practice well, try telling that to the Lord. I don't need to worry about the sacrament. It's not important, right?
0: It wasn't always there. It
1: wasn't always there. Therefore, it's not. But that's that's where I think President Oaks' teachings come in so very powerfully where he taught, listen, just because it's a policy doesn't mean it didn't come from God, and it doesn't mean that it's not salvific. That's an interesting concept. Policy can be salvific just like doctrine can. Right. The difference is doctrine won't change. Policy and practice may. But at this time, we are required to do these things. Uh, word of wisdom. Right. Try telling your bishop that doesn't matter and you still get to go to the, the temple and, <laughs> and do your ordinance. It does right. not work, right? right? And so we would say that the, that the word of wisdom for those who are under covenant is salvific. Having said that, it hasn't always existed, and we know from prophetic voice that it won't always exist in the form that we currently have it. Right. But it doesn't denigrate it or take away the importance or the God-given nature of that.
0: Yeah. And to me, I, I, I would say that this has changed the way I look at even the scriptures, because and I this is the way I try and, and teach it. I say that the scriptures have both descriptive and prescriptive yeah. elements. That's good. And the Spirit will help you know which one is which because yes. they could be the same verse of Scripture. Yeah. Um, and, and so, like, I, and I gave this as, a, a, as an example, that first Nephi, or Nephi slays Laban. Yes. What is the descriptive and what is the prescriptive?
1: prescriptive. We probably shouldn't conflate those at this point, <laughs> correct?
0: Well, and, and, that's, and, and that's, that was the, it's a very stark example yeah. of Nephi teaches trusting the Lord he has a commandment, and he'll find a way to, to do it. Those are the prescriptive things that we can take into our life. Descriptively, obviously, we're not going to execute our political leaders. That's really well said. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I think that that, to me, also helps me see when I look at the teachings that we have in General Conference, yeah. to, to be able to say, what are they doing that's descriptive, and yes. what is the prescriptive message And that tends to go back a little bit to doctrine and policy. It does. Because it's the policy that happened during polygamy is not not what's happening today. And yet the eternal
1: nature of families is what is happening today.
0: Right. Right. So this is such a fun topic for me. It really is. What could you give as a source, perhaps, for people wanting to help digest this a little Mm. bit further? Is there any type of... I, mean, I can share a link to those nine basic doctrines yeah. that they have on the church website. But is there anything else that you can think of that makes for a good exercise? Maybe that the gospel is topics essay.
1: Such a great <laughs> question. Um, interestingly enough, this topic is handled in a multitude of small places. Okay. But it doesn't have a real grand. Uh, at least I haven't found a real grand, single, central location where you can say, "If you'll go here, you'll be able to get this." Yeah. Um, the places I've gone is, is to be very frank. Uh, the voice of the first presidency, Chorum of, of twelve. Okay. I've looked at how they have defined it, and 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 something I've stated in the past, and I would state in the future is, again, the way the word is being used right now is different than it was. Mm-hmm. And I'm not in any way trying to say the way it's currently being used will be the way it'll always be used. I'm gonna let the first presence in Chrome of Twelve be the ones who dictate the usage at any given time. I think, I think looking at, looking at the correlated material of the church is going to help. I know that almost gets a bad word, a, a bad rap sometimes, but the reality is the correlation committee of the church uh, is not a group of bureaucrats or 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 whatever it is, the correlation committee of the church is the First Presidency and Chrome of Twelve. They're the ones who, they don't review every single piece of writing. That's actually a committee that I serve on that does some of that footwork for them. But that which is taught regularly by the First Presidency and Chrome of Twelve, I, I guess if I was going to give you one thing, look for what they're teaching regularly. That will give members and in, in this uh, instance, missionaries, the highest confidence that what they're teaching is not only true, because there are true things which, to be very frank, aren't very pertinent right now and aren't necessarily that important. It's not only going to be true, but it's that which is going to be important for us in our our time. And so... United, regular, consistent voice of the first presence first presence in the quorum of twelve would be to me the kind of the end all and be all
0: ok and And I would like to add that, you know, when we are teaching these principles, when we're studying them on our own, maybe take a highlighter and say this this right here, this is the doctrine good and man. and and understand that that's the phrase that we need to remember as doctrine. And maybe these are the ways that it's implemented excellent.
1: Excellent. Um, I, I think as we continue to implement what the first presence in Quorum of 12 have just asked us to do, which is to cease leaning so much on the institutional church and to begin to To take a much greater responsibility in our individual and familial study of the gospel, what you're saying is going to be absolutely crucial. And to be very frank, when we lose ourselves in the words of the scriptures and in the words of the prophets, Pretty soon, these differences are going to become more clear. We're going to be able to notice. Okay, has this changed much over the time? Okay, if that's the case, maybe that's not such a doctrinal issue. Is this something that continues to be emphasized? Okay, that's something that I'm going to work on. And 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 so our faithfulness in implementing the the new practice, if you yeah. if you would of two hours of church and a little bit more personal um, responsibility I think will then begin to help us do exactly what you're saying to begin to differentiate in the scriptures I'm going to read this chapter of scripture what are the doctrines in there Mm -hmm. what are the descriptive and prescriptive what are the policies and practices the more we do that I believe the more clear it becomes
0: yeah I agree thank you so much for everything that you've shared and I, I really appreciate it we will put a link to the other podcast, I think, because it's a good supplement, the one from LDS Perspectives. But thank you again for coming in and sharing these very important thoughts. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate the chance. I want to thank Mike Goodman for coming in and sharing his thoughts. We're going to put a link to the posting of his interview that was done on LDS Perspectives podcast so that you can give that a listen to help kind of reinforce some of the things that we've talked about on this podcast. Now, here is what we're going to be doing in the coming year. In this coming year, we are going to take one week out of the month, one episode out of the month, and dedicate it to the nine basic doctrines that are put on LDS.org as the basic doctrines of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We're going to discuss these principles in terms of what we read from the Preach My Gospel manual. We're going to talk about it in the sense of what is the true and eternal doctrine, as well as discussing maybe what some of the false or even folk doctrines that have risen as a result of just traditions that maybe crop up or that have found their way into the early church and just kind of stuck around. But these doctrines are so important to what we teach as missionaries and to our family members these doctrines, a solid understanding of these doctrines will help us to teach the gospel with power. So stay tuned to at least one episode a month where we are going to be discussing these basic doctrines of the gospel. Let them be reference points for yourselves as you enlarge your study of the gospel and make sure that it is based on the true principles and doctrines as opposed to teaching policies or practices that may or may not continue. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast throughout our opening year of operation. We've covered many different topics and we've gone over so many different things that, you know, frankly, these are the things that I wish I had learned on my mission. That's why I have been producing this show is these are the things that I've learned over the 20 years since I came home and things that I wish I had learned when I was on my mission. I hope to inspire you doing the missionary work and gathering Israel that we are all covenanted to engage ourselves in. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast to get these future episodes. And please leave us a review and a rating in iTunes or on Stitcher or any platform where you get our podcast that helps other people find us and know that this is something that's worth their time. Thank you again for listening and we hope to have you next time on the next episode of the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast.